Proverbs chapter 16, book of Proverbs chapter 16, uh, family sing together, amen, we might should have more of that, amen, maybe David and Tara could sing one Sunday morning, a good idea, and uh, maybe Jack and Kimbrough could sing one Sunday morning, or Laura and Joel, and there's all manner of combinations here that we could, we could do on a Sunday morning, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, is where we're at this morning. Um, uh, if you haven't found your one word yet, or have God hasn't, you haven't sensed your one word yet, I can encourage you to continue praying for your one word. We spent two Sundays talking about that. And uh, it's been encouraging to see some of you posting your one words on our Facebook page. It's always interesting when everyone shows up. So if you have your one word and you hadn't went to the Facebook page, and just, all you got to do is type, my one word is. And uh, that encourages, encourages me. And I know it encourages some of the rest of you and gives us a way to pray for each other. So uh, keep, keep looking, keep asking, keep trusting God to give you that one word. And uh, we're going to start a new series this morning, though. Our series is called Pre-Decide. I haven't decided if pre-decide's a real word or not, but um, we're going to call it a word. <laughs> and, uh, I put it on the church sign, so it has to be a word now. It's on the sign. So anyway, look, if you will, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, where the Bible says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Look at it in the New International Version, the way it says it. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Everybody say Whatever. Whatever you do, and he will, God will establish your plans. So let me ask you a question. Who is the difference? What's the difference between people who are really fulfilled? I mean, really fulfilled in their personal life, really fulfilled in their uh, marriage life, really fulfilled in their finances and peace, and those who aren't. What's the difference in those who really are fulfilled and those who aren't? Well, there are a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons we can make. A huge reason is their decisions. Our decisions are a huge part of our life. We make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. Your life, really, the direction of your life, the sum of your life right now, and a great part is a sum total of the decisions that you've been making. Our decisions are more important than most of the other things. You see, the difference in being fulfilled and not fulfilled is not intelligence, because we all know smart people who aren't fulfilled. It's not beauty. We know a lot of people who are beautiful who are terrible at relationships. It's not talent because a lot of people are very talented and their life's a mess. 
You see, you can have all those things and not do well at life. It's your decisions that determine a great amount of the quality of your life. The quality of your decisions determine the quality of your life. And we're typically left on our own apart from the Lord are not very good at it. I was reading, uh, listening to uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle, who's pastor of Life Church in uh, Oklahoma. Love Pastor Craig. I don't really know him, but I, I love his teaching. Love In fact, his church is the one that developed YouVersion, the Bible app. And they've given it away free. Millions and millions and millions of people have that app, and they chose uh, to give it away free. And Pastor Craig, I heard him talking a while back, and he said that uh, when he was going to seminary, he was also on staff at a church. He was like, I don't know, if it might have been youth pastor or something like that. It wasn't the, um, wasn't the uh, lead pastor, but he was going to seminary, pastor, you know, on church staff at the same time, and he, was, he had written a paper, and y'all, he wrote it on something that some of you may not be aware of. It's called a typewriter. And if you're under 30, go home and Google typewriter. Uh, when I started in the ministry, I wrote sermons on something called a legal pad. <laughs> and then I graduated to a typewriter, okay? And so he'd written his, um, he'd written his paper, due, it was due that day in seminary, on a typewriter. And as he was starting to class the next day, he had to travel a good ways to go to class, he realized he had forgotten his paper at his office. Now, this is before cell phones. This is before Internet. You can't email the paper to yourself, okay? You can't save it anywhere. And so he had to go back to the church to get his paper. And uh, when he went to get in, he was on staff, so he had a key to the church, but they had key cards instead of just regular key. And somehow or another, without him realizing it, uh, they had scheduled the key cards that they wouldn't work between 10 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock in the morning. And he was there before 6 o'clock in the morning, so he scanned his key card, and it wouldn't let him in. His office is on like the fourth or fifth floor of the building. And so he looked at that, and he thought about it, and he uh, realized he always left his office window unlocked. And so he made a decision that he could be Spider-Man <laughs> and climb the building, get into his office, get his paper, drive to seminary. That was the first of a couple of perhaps unwise decisions. And so he found a way, climbed up uh, in his pleated khakis and penny loafers, <laughs> right? Climbed up to the, to the ledge, got to the ledge, okay? Kind of in a tough spot and uh, realized that somebody had locked his window and he couldn't get in. And he was also in such a precarious position that he couldn't turn around and get down either. And so now he's 6 o'clock in the morning, he's hanging from a ledge, uh, three or four stories up on the side of the church building, and uh, doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't have any way to get in touch, and so he has to wait till somebody walks by. So he's just hanging there, and somebody finally walks by, he hollers. Now, how many of y'all know what the guy has to do? He has to go to payphone, <laughs> right? So the guy goes to the payphone and says, hey, calls the fire department, the fire department says, hey, there's a guy in pleated khakis and penny loafers hanging from a building over here. Y'all might want to come uh, get this guy down. And so they came and got him down. Now, Pastor Craig got himself in a very bad, bad place because of what? Bad decisions, yeah. And a lot of times, some of us have gotten ourselves in some bad places in life. A lot of times, it's because of our decisions, isn't it? So what we want to look at today. What we want to look at today is the idea of pre-deciding to follow Jesus. We sang the hymn just a minute ago, I have decided to follow Jesus. And notice that's in the 
past tense. I have decided, I have pre-decided sometime past that I will follow Jesus because if you will pre-decide, it will save you from some really bad decisions. In fact, to encourage each other, why don't we go around and everyone share the worst decision you've made. And No, we won't do that this morning. <laughs> Let's not do that. But we, that's what we want to talk about. We're going to do a series on this about pre-deciding because here's the thing. We're typically not great at making decisions. We want to be healthy, right? But we ate the pint of ice cream right before bed last night. We want to save money. But that outfit would look so good on you. And that thing you need so much to go hunting. You, 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 you have an idea of what you want to do. What fouls you up from getting there is your decisions. And so we want to have good marriages and good relationships, but we make decisions to act selfish. And that's why God comes in in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, the New International Version, and he says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Take whatever you do and pre-decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make my decisions based on the word and will of God. And watch this. And he will establish your plans. In other words, God will give you his plans for your life. And that's what we want to look at, to how to tap in to God's plans for your life. You see, God is saying, commit your decisions to me. Commit your decision-making to me, and then watch what I can do with your life. Now, let me ask you a question today. Do you want to get what you can come up with in your life, or do you want to get what God has for your life? And if you've lived any stretch of time, you realize... Man, the decisions I made have not always been very great. I would a whole lot rather have what God has for my life, the creator of the earth who loves me more than anybody ever could, who knows more than anybody ever can, who is good in all that he does. The book of Psalms says that he is good and he does good. I'd rather have him give me the life he has for me than me come up with it on my own. You see, we struggle with making poor decisions. We struggle with making decisions that are, that are really going to be good long term. We're decent at making decisions that might make us happy today. But we read the consequences of bad decisions later, don't we? Here's a couple of reasons why we are bad at making decisions. Number one is because we're overwhelmed with choices. There's a lady named Eva Krakow. She uh, has a Ph.D. in decision-making theory at a large university in uh, England. And she says, I don't know how she comes up with this idea, but she says that we're make about, the adults make about 35,000 decisions a day. Now, I don't know how she come up with that number, but that's a lot of decisions, right? Because you got to decide what to eat, what your kids are going to eat. <laughs> you have to decide what you're going to wear and what your kids are going to wear. You have to decide how much time you're going to spend on your phone, how much time you're going to spend in front of the TV, uh, what time you're going to get to work, how are you going to speak to people at work, how are you going to treat people who don't treat you well, how are you going to react in the long line at Walmart or at the pharmacy. You're going to have to decide, what about jobs? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? How am I going to raise my kids? Are we going to have a prayer time at night? What about church? You're, so you're overwhelmed with decisions, and you actually have a decision-making faculty that gets tired. And the more decisions you make in a day, the more prone you are to making bad decisions. 
You get tired, so you end up making bad decisions. Second reason is we're afraid of making the wrong choices. We struggle making the decision. One is it's just the just sheer volume of decisions. Secondly, we're afraid we're going to make the wrong choice. We overanalyze, and sometimes as Christians, we can be kind of bad at this. You know, do I know enough to share my faith? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to push anybody away. Is this really, and here's where we get tripped up at, is this God's absolute best for my life? Is this actually the absolute best outfit God wants me to wear today? Is this the absolute best, best job I can take? Is this the best major I can do? And if you're not careful, you can get paralyzed by thinking, is this God's absolute very, very best? And then we make emotions we let emotions overrule our logic we let emotions overrule our logic here's the thing when we get emotional with our decision making we start making decisions based on emotions emotions like does this make me feel good does this make me happy what will other people think and we let emotions start directing our decision making then you start making bad decisions so we're overwhelmed we're afraid and number three we get our emotions overrule our logic we want to be good parents but boy the kid says mommy can i do this for the 475th time in the hour <laughs> and you want to be patient and kind but you end up saying sweetheart no quit using my name go to your room you let your emotion overrule it right and uh, one of the things you want to do watch this guys don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions because when you make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion, you will make, watch this, you will make some unwise decisions that will absolutely have the potential to wreck your life. Some of the worst decisions you and I have ever made were based on temporary emotions. Your friends were doing drugs. They wanted you to do drugs. You didn't need that. wasn't very good. But your emotions said, I, I fit in better. Somebody pressured you into having sex before marriage. You knew that wasn't a really good idea. But man, you love him or love her. They love you. And so you make a decision based on a temporary emotion. You get caught up in an emotion and you can make some decisions that will have long-lasting consequences. So be sure, don't make permanent decisions, good decisions based on temporary emotion so let's talk about one of the great ways to live a god glorifying uh, people loving fulfilling life by the pre-deciding everybody say pre-decide decide now what you will do later okay so we're talking about three things today that help us make good pre-decisions number one pre-decisions need to be based on god's truth pre-decisions need to be based on god's truth we need to decide today what we're going to do tomorrow and next week and when I get in the particular situation and we need to base it on what God says line it up with God's truth when you make a decision lined up with God's truth everybody say good decision look if you will in Proverbs 16 3 commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans the word commit literally means to roll over to roll over onto somebody. The idea of committing your activities to the Lord is you take your activities that are on your mind and on your shoulders and in your heart and you roll them over to the Lord. You put them onto Him and you say, God, whatever you say about my activities today, I'm pre-deciding to do that. It's a great thing to do every morning. 
Lord, here's my activities for today. I don't know what's going to happen exactly. I got an idea. I got an idea what I like to see happen. I don't know what kind of interruptions, what kind of bad things, good things. But God, my actions, how I respond to life today, rolling that over onto you, and whatever you say is what I'm going to do. Uh, some of you, and uh, I would encourage any of you that are young that have a full-time job, I would encourage you uh, to start saving money for your retirement now. Uh, because if you start saving now, you'll have money later. If you wait till you're in your 60s, it's too late. What you do in your retirement is typically most people, you roll your money out of your savings or out of your checking account, you roll it over into a retirement account. Now, most of us roll it over into an account that somebody else manages, right? We, we're not, we don't have time and education. I don't have the wisdom to know how to invest money. And so you roll it over into an account, and then you leave it there. Ideas, you leave it there for a long time, and somebody else that's hopefully smarter than us, wiser than us, keeps up with the markets better, can see in the future better um, financially than we can, we trust them to make the decision right there we don't worry about it hope well we do worry about it right we try not to worry about it we leave it there and we trust that they're going to work in our best interest well, because if they don't make us money they don't make themselves money and so we trust them to do that that's the idea here you roll it over to the Lord you know he has your best interest at heart you know he can predict the future because he's already there you know he's going to do something good and so you commit it to him you roll it over to him you leave it with him and it's not watch this it's not a spiritual technique it's not a transaction as much as it is a personal relationship God to you you tell God give you my activities today I roll them over onto your shoulders and I pre-decide to do what you want me to do so I'm gonna ask you a question how do you do that practically speaking how do you commit your way commit whatever you do to the Lord I'll give you three ideas okay first of all you commit your way to the Lord by turning them over to him by turning them over it's just like the savings account you turn it over to somebody else to manage you turn it over to him Warren Wearsby said it this way Knowing and obeying the will of God can't be, everybody say can't be. It can't be a half-hearted endeavor on our part. can't be a hobby that we indulge in when there's an emergency or when we feel like it. Knowing and doing the will of God isn't a spiritual technique that we use occasionally. Watch this. It is a committed lifestyle that involves everything we do. So number one, you do it by turning it over. Secondly, you commit your works to the Lord by doing them as unto Him. By doing them as unto Him. You serve your boss like your boss is Jesus. You treat your wife or your husband like they're a child of God that they are. You do everything, whether you eat or drink, all to the glory of God. And so, God, you do that. You go to work, you go to school, you do your marriage, your friendships, whatever. Jesus, I'm doing this like I'm doing it to you because you are. The Bible says, do all that you do as unto the Lord, for it's from the Lord that you receive a reward. And so don't see that workplace just something to avoid. Don't see the boss or your fellow employees just as people just trying to get along with. No, you serve them like you would serve Jesus because Jesus said what? And as much as you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it to who? Okay, that was really weak. <laughs> 
So if you do it to the least of these, Jesus said you're doing it as to who? As to him, that's right, to me. Jesus said, the way you treat them is how you're treating me. So you commit your works to the Lord by doing them like you're doing them to and for Jesus. The third thing is you commit your works to the Lord by trusting him for the results. By trusting him for the results. Um, the language here is, suggests that we commit our activities to the Lord first, then, then he establishes our plans. He does, he does, it's kind of like Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. We seek first his kingdom, then God adds. We decide and carry out those decisions. We choose to obey, and then God brings his part into it. And the reason we do that is not because, oh boy, I commit myself to the Lord. He'll establish my plans. My plans be rich. <laughs> and my plan is to lose 30 pounds and not change my eating. <laughs> and I'm not going to exercise. My plan is to have a great marriage, and I'm not going to really invest that much into it. My great plan is this new business deal is absolutely going to take off. My plan is I'm going to get married next year. My plan is that my kids will never do anything to embarrass me. <laughs> I was thought there was going to be a laugh there. <laughs> my kids will always do everything I say just like I say, even when I'm not around. Those are my plans. It's not the idea. No, you know, that's just impractical, right? The idea is if I commit my activities to him, he'll establish my plans. Why? Because they'll be his plans. Committing my works to the Lord means I want his plans for my life, not my own plans. Every believer it's called to commit your activities to the Lord. Not in your own strength. You can't do it in your own strength. But to start each day by asking God to forgive your sins, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, depending on Him. Lord, I will. I will follow Jesus today. I will obey you today because you're going to give me strength to do that. You're going to give me everything I need to do that. You're going to give me the resources I need to do that. So here's your weekly growth suggestion this week. Predecide to honor the Lord with this year. Ask God to give you a specific area. We're going to talk about some specific areas in the coming weeks, like faithfulness and integrity and purity, those kind of things. Uh, pray for an open heaven. The idea of an open heaven, as I said before, that we'll have clear communication between us and God for this year. We'll know our one words for this year. We'll know the ministries God wants us to have this year. We'll know how to spend our time. We'll know what God wants for our families this year. So pray for that open heaven. But first of all, pre-decide, God, this is your year. I read a guy named Dallas Willard. He passed away several years ago. And one of the things that Dallas Willard said he did at the beginning of each year, and, and I've done this several years. I haven't done it this year. Maybe I'll do it this week. I should pre-decide, shouldn't I? Dallas Willard said at the beginning of each year, he would literally lay on the floor. I've told you this several years ago. Lay on the floor and give the top of his head to the bottom of his feet to Jesus. Lord, I give you my brain, give you my eyes, give, just, continue, just give his whole body to the Lord, his year, his family, his friends, his ideas, his schedules, plans. And he said, beginning of the year, Lord, I give, I, give all, I give this year to you, give myself to you, give my relationships to you. And here's how he'd pray. God, bring everything into my life that will make me more like Jesus and keep everything out that won't. Amen. It's a good way to start off. You see, Amelia Earhart, famous female pilot, said it this way. She said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The fears are paper tigers. 
And she's the first female pilot to fly across the ocean, right, by, on a solo flight. And then she said, you can do anything you decide to do. Now, I, I, just, I, I almost left that out and I decided to throw it in because you can't just do anything you decide to do. I decided when I was 11 years old at 3531 Coolidge Street that I was going to win the NBA on a three, well, I didn't have three-point shots in those days, but I was going to win the NBA championship on a last shot, on a buzzer, at, uh, a shot at the buzzer. And I did it a lot at 3531 Coolidge Street. And the crowd went wild. I was dribbling around through the legs, behind the back, fall away, jump shot, go! <sighs> lot of it, lot of it, lot of it. Every once in a while I'd miss. And he throws the shot up, he misses, but he's fouled. <laughs> Goes to the foul line, misses the foul shot. They were in the lane too early. It's another foul shot. I'm about to lose hope on me winning the NBA championship at the buzzer. Just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Right? I'm not saying do anything you want to do, but you can do everything God wants you to do. Pre-decide, that's what you want. Secondly, not only, uh, secondly, we'll look at God's timing. Not only God's truth, we base it on God's truth, but God's time, we let God work the timing out. We've seen what the verse means, verse 3 of Proverbs 16. Commit to the Lord whatever, everybody say whatever again, whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. We commit our marriage to God, we commit our parenting to God, we commit our education to God, we commit our career to God, we commit our dating life to God, we commit who we're going to marry to God, and then once we do that and start, watch this, start making good decisions, godly decisions, we expect and anticipate God's going to bring about His plan. God's going to do it His way. So let's just start by day by saying, I'm going to pre-decide this year it's going to be the godliest year I ever had. Everybody say godliest. Yeah, not greatest, not richest, not most prosperous, but this could be the godliest year I've ever had. You see, the thing about pre-deciding is that we determine our course of action before it gets here. Think about some of the decisions you make. Think about some of the decisions you make. The, the key is pre-deciding. You make it before the decision gets here. It makes it easier. Give me an example. If you're prone to impulse buying, gets you in a little bit of trouble once in a while, kind of gets you over budget occasionally, you see something you like, boy, you just kind of tend to throw that credit card out there and put that thing on that credit card bill. See, you can pre-decide that anything that costs you over $100 you're going to wait three days before you make the purchase. Because if you wait three days, you let your emotions calm down. You don't get carried away in the moment. Well, it might not be on sale in three days. It'll come back on sale one day. Okay. If it's not on sale, just wait. It'll end up at dirt cheap. Laura will tell you about it, and you'll be fine. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, you predetermine that you, when that happens, you just pre-decide, when somebody cuts me off, I'm going to pray that they go to heaven and not tell them to go to their home and stay. You pre-decide, this is what I'm going to do. You make that decision ahead of time. When my alarm goes off, I'm not going to debate, do I get up now, do I hit snooze, do I have a quiet time, do I have a quiet time, I don't really feel like it today. No, no, pre-decide what you're going to do. You're going to say the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, take a shower, a cup of coffee, have your quiet time, but you decide ahead of time. That's why then God brings His will into, into work in your life. I read recently about a, um, 
a tattoo artist. She's a very famous reality star. Her name's Catherine Von Drockenberg. They call her uh, Kat Von D. And um, she was really into the occult and things like that. And um, recently she got baptized uh, at a small church in Indiana. It's called Switzerland Baptist Church. It's in Indiana. I don't know why they have Switzerland Baptist Church in Indiana. But she did. She actually had um, given up. A lot of, she had lots of books on the occult. She was a reality star, tattoos everywhere, that kind of stuff. Not that the occult necessarily means tattoos, but that's what she did. And um, she said about a year ago, she felt like this was not bringing into her life what she wanted. It was bringing darkness into her life and not light. And she decided she didn't want it in her house. And so she took her very expensive collection of occultic books and, you know, all the charms and all that kind of stuff. And she threw it all out and uh, made a decision to give her heart and life to Jesus. Invited Christ into her life. She was baptized. She put it on Instagram where she was baptized. And she said, it's never been more clear to me that there is a spiritual battle taking place. And I want to surround myself and my family with love and light. I don't want to invite any of these dark things into my family's life. Even if it comes disguised in beautiful covers on my shelf so aware that um that a lot of her fan base she's, you know she's a big instagram deal aware that a lot of her fan base is atheist she expected a lot of backlash and so she put on there on her she put her baptism on there said i'm not ashamed of my decision for jesus i'm gonna follow him and uh, she said she really expected a lot of backlash you know and she said what's been interesting for her is how much love she's received so people see her and her husband out and they just come up to her and hug her and say, I'm so grateful for what you've done. I'm so grateful for your decision. And she said that um, her husband's not saved. And he goes to church with her, but he hasn't decided to become a Christian yet. And she said, the thing that's given him the most problem is a lot of the backlash she's gotten. Mostly from the Christian community. Most of the back, not been a big backlash, most of everything's been pop, but most of the backlash has been from the Christian community. You're just doing this to make money. Her Instagram's not monetized, by the way. You're just doing this, you're just doing this, make sense, all that kind of stuff. And her husband said, I'm not sure I really want to get into all that. I'm not sure that's the kind of direction I want to go. You see, you commit to the Lord to follow his direction, his timing, and then you grow in that. And I saw an article, and I, wanted to, I thought maybe she was backing up on it. And the article said, uh, Kat Von D decides, says she's not going to be a poster child for Christianity. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> maybe she's taking a step back or something. But what she said was, don't expect me to be doing a lot of Christian stuff on my Instagram, because here's what she said. It's not for any other reason that I just don't feel equipped to be the poster child for Christianity. I'm still learning, and as I do, I'll become more equipped. But for the time being, I feel like I've never really been that, and I don't plan on doing that. Things that I used to find attractive are disgusting to me. I wish I could put in words how amazing the changes are. What's she saying? Right now, it's not time for me to go public and start being the Christian leader. You know, a couple of months that I, time now is for me to grow, and God's going to bring that about. Which brings me to my last point, which is God's trustworthiness. 
Why do we pre-decide to follow Jesus? Because we base it on God's truth, we trust in God's timing, and we can do all this because we believe God is worthy of our trust. And going back to the savings illustration, you'd never put your savings in a place where you thought they, you couldn't trust them. If you went on the business, Better Business Bureau page and your retirement place that you put your retirement money had a D-plus on the Better Business Bureau, you'd get it out. You would never go there, would you? You want an A-plus company for that kind of thing. God gets A-plus in trustworthiness. And I say amen for that. So we decide who we are and who we're going to really live for. Who is trustworthy? How about somebody that would die for you? Because you see, when we look at the trustworthiness of Jesus, we can look at his words and his actions. And I can talk about a lot. Let me just pick one verse and one action. The one verse is John 3, 16. Isn't that good enough? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever does what? Believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That's worth trusting somebody about. And then the action is the cross and resurrection, man. One word, one action. Man, this guy is trustworthy. And here's the thing. You and I aren't. Here's six, real quick. I'm just going to list them. And uh, six negative qualities that most of us have. I have them. You, have, you probably have them too. Number one, I'm inconsistent. Right? Man, it's easy to say I'm going to follow Jesus today. What about tomorrow morning about 945? <laughs> What about somebody cuts you off in traffic? What about somebody who gives you a smart aleck remark on Facebook? I'm unprepared. I don't know what's coming next, especially for the attacks of the enemy. I'm unintentional too often. I just kind of drift. I'm selfish. So if you take a, a group picture and somebody says, here's a group picture, you look at you first, don't you? <laughs> How do I look? That's a terrible picture. Everybody's smiling but you. I know that's why it's a terrible picture. <laughs> It's only good if I'm smiling. Well, you're smiling. Everybody else has their eyes closed. It's a great picture, man. It's fantastic. I'm short-sighted. I can't see how far it's going to go. I tend to quit and give up. That's why we need to pre-decide for Jesus because what? Decisions determine direction, and direction determines destiny, which means how your life's going to turn out. Your decisions determine the direction of your life. Your direction determines where you're absolutely going to end up one day. Now, last of all, we'll close with this. Your salvation is not dependent on your good decisions. Your salvation is dependent on God <laughs> making a great decision, a loving decision to send Jesus in your place and die for you. And here's the good news, guys. One good decision to trust Jesus with your life, to turn from your sin and give your heart and life to Jesus, that one good decision wipes out all your bad decisions. Boy, that's worth the praise of the Lord, is it not? Let me tell you a story and I'll be done. Rax Licato tells this story in one of his books. He writes a book about a guy named Edwin Thomas. Edwin Thomas was a master of the stage in the later, later half of the 1800s. He was a Shakespearean actor. Uh, acted on Broadway in New York um, to the praise of the critics there. Went overseas in London, acted over there as well. Uh, he performed Hamlet for a hundred consecutive nights. One of the great, great actors of his day. Small man with a great voice. Interestingly enough, Edwin Thomas had two brothers, John and Junius. Uh, both Shakespearean actors as well. Neither uh, the stature of Edwin Thomas. And it was an um, eerie thing that when they decided to do uh, Julius Caesar, that his brother 
John took the role of Brutus, the assassin. Because it was just a couple of years later that his brother John lived out the role. Stole him to the back of the fourth theater and shot Abraham Lincoln in the back of the head. It so devastated Edwin Thomas. That's right, their last name's Booth. Edwin Thomas Booth's John Wilkes Booth. It so devastated Edwin that he, it's such shame, such disappointment, such grief that he left the stage. It may not have ever come back except for an event that happened a couple of years later. He was standing in New York waiting uh, for a train or subway, whatever the case was in those days. And as he was standing there waiting, um, a young man fell off the platform onto the tracks of an, of an oncoming train. Edwin Thomas wrapped his legs around one of the railings, reached down, grabbed the young man, and pulled him to safety just in time. The young man recognized him. And he, th he said, man, you're Edwin Thomas. You're the famous actor. And, of course, he thanked him and thanked him and thanked him. And Edwin Thomas didn't really, you know, put that much. He was just glad he was able to help the guy. He got a letter a month or so later from one of the generals of Ulysses S. Grant. And the letter that he carried with him for the rest of his life said, Thank you for rescuing the life of the son of one of America's heroes. The man he rescued was Robert Todd Lincoln, the son of Abraham Lincoln. Two brothers raised in the same house, same families, same career. One chose death and the other chose life. And that's the decision that every one of us has to make today. I can't choose for you, you can't choose for me. You can be John Wilkes Booth and choose life, not necessarily to take a life, but to choose against your own everlasting life. Or you can be like Edwin Thomas and you can give your life to Jesus and be someone that Jesus uses. To rescue others. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed. Pre-deciding for Jesus. Man it might just not be a bad idea to be singing the rest of the day. I have decided to follow Jesus. You might want to just kind of quietly sing that as you go to bed tonight. Might want to sing that when you wake up in the morning. Lord I have decided to follow Jesus. To pre-decide to follow him. And so, Father, as we bow in the quietness of the moment, we pray that you'd bring to the surface of our minds right now anything that we've been kind of half-hearted about, anything we've been kind of dancing around, any decisions that we know we need to give to you, but we've been just sort of hanging on to it, not really settling it, not really nailing it down. Lord, would you raise those issues in our brains right now? And help us, Lord, today to pre-decide today to give that to you. Lisa's going to come to the piano. She's going to pray softly. Let me, you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you something. What decision do you need to nail down today and say, I've been kind of washing around this thing. I've been kind of half-hearted. I've been kind of one day I will, one day I won't. What decision is it today that you need to make and say, I'm pre-deciding this is Jesus. I'm committing this to Jesus and I'll trust him for the results of it. The altar is open. If you want to come kneel and pray, you want me to pray with you, I'll be proud to pray with you. God's uh, calling you to preach. God's calling you to be a member of our church. 
Uh, we'd love to have you if you've been saved and baptized or if you need to be saved and baptized. You pray.